should I talk about? <laughs> Reflecting on on the way it is, then we're, we're, you know, we most of our life gets pretty we're conditioned then to uh, perceive ourselves in certain ways, and so we, you know, identified with what we look like and our uh, our educational qualifications. Uh, our experiences and so forth, and and in so many ways we we uh, we compare ourselves with others. We're better, we're better, worse, same as. Uh, we have views about what women are like, men are like, and on and on like this. I mean, it's the whole sense of a self is built on the on a belief in the in the in, the, in that these things are reality. The ego, the sense of self, as a separate entity, because that's what it seems like. And conditioned, ex- you know, we say when we're born, we don't have a self yet. We have a body and a consciousness and feeling, uh, but yet uh, the sense of yourself, the sakayaditi, or the the sense of yourself is uh, develops through experience, through language, through memory, and so forth, so that you have identity, identification. We pick up things also, like a sense of our self-worth. Is you pick up from you know from your the way you were brought up, where you were treated or regarded by your family, by your parents, and things like this affect us, how we, how we regard ourselves. So in the, say for example, in um, the conditioning I've had, uh, from my background, is very uh, a sense of the, the the self, the sense of yourself is a very individual one. From my cultural background, the idea of, uh, say, from the American uh, conditioning um, of my generation, where you, the sense of being independent, uh, completely unique individual. We have this. I was brought up to think of myself as a completely unique, permanently unique individual with a with a unique soul that would with that when I die this soul would be completely me also and go on forever so that this when you die then your soul if it's you've been a good boy then you can go to heaven and so forth but it's it's definitely me Robert Jackman that would go on forever in some, some kind of unique way. And this is, these were the messages I was getting anyway from my background. The emphasis on, on me as a, the, the, the sense of belonging to a group wasn't very strong. Family, tribe, class, none of this had much uh, influence. But the, the emphasis, say, was on this very uh, being an independent, unique, individual personality. Well, I, I acquired that whole sense through because of going to a country like Thailand, for example, where and living in the Northeast, where people uh, personalities are developed much through more a kind of a identity with a social, with a family or a village or a <coughs> social group. Different cultural way of looking at things, but so the self was much much more kind of connected to 
to a wider range where they, this uh, completely uh, independent, unique, isolated sense of self is, uh, has certain advantages but also has many disadvantages. You get very lonely because you're, you're, how you interpret life is so, makes you cut yourself off from, from everything because of this, uh, uh, you know, it's just like being married to somebody else is difficult because you still saw, you couldn't, you could not, you, you had no way of, say, seeing yourself in terms of, of a family because uh, the whole, the whole sense was on unique individuality. And so the suffering that come from this, uh, they led me into monastic life. So the Sangha, say refuge in Sangha is like this family, isn't it? It's uh, you're, you're, uh, you have a sense of being belonging to a large group uh, uh, rather than just living your life totally on, you know, as this very alienated, separate, completely independent uh, soul or self. But then in terms of meditation, what happens, what I've found happening to me is that, that this whole sense of self-identity goes under question. You start examining it. So, so I remember when I had my first insight into anatta, uh, I, had, I found that difficult. I found like, and Nietzsche, very easy, it's logical, and it doesn't take much contemplation of a Nietzsche to kind of see that in everything. And Dukkha was no problem, but Anatta was a very, you know, configure that out, you know. No self, because it definitely seems to be a self, you know. Who was, who was this, this thing that was thinking all this and, and uh, feeling all this and and going through all this, well, that's me. <laughs> so, so the, the uh, anatta was a bit of a, a baffling teaching for me at first. But then through um, really investigating the sense of myself as a personality, uh, I began to see it break down this this uh, this um, conditioning break through this conditioning, and when I had the first insight into anatta, uh, oh, how wonderful! If I'd only known this, I wouldn't have suffered so much in my life, because the suffering of my life was this, this such an over such an exaggerated sense of myself and my self importance and what I thought and felt and, and it's, it's almost sense of being alienated and separated from everything as a kind of relentless ongoing position one, one interpreted life from a very isolated sense of me and mine. So just by investigating the, the whole the whole sense of myself, not not just beginning to listen. I'd, I'd listen inwardly to, to say my emotional state, like me, what I think, what I want. I'm, what about me? This is mine. And I'd, I'd really, in this sort of want to position. I'd listen to, to that that whole sense of myself. I'd play it out, even kind of. Like in, like it was a soap opera or something. Like you're listening to it on the radio. Then investigating that, I'd I'd listen to it and I'd I'd hear, you know, all my. I'd try to bring up into consciousness the myself, the sense of my self-importance, the self-aversion, as a self-critical, very self-critical. Uh, very, uh, 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 very tended to uh, 
see myself mainly through negative perceptions. What's wrong with me? This is, and I know many people do this. They, they tend to, to see pers- they, their sense of themselves based on what's wrong with them. And then in, uh, in the monastery in Thailand, uh, they emphasize this contemplating your own goodness. And that had never occurred to me actually before I became a monk, surprisingly. Because somehow there's this kind of crooked way of thinking that I picked up where being honest means you, you admit all your faults. You, you're kind of like the sense of being honest and let, to tell you the truth, you know, I, the real, you know, what I really am. And then, then I take usually what's wrong as being the, the this, uh, this uh, what, what I am, you know. I'm, and also in a competitive society, like a state is a very competitive system, so your, your worth is always in comparison to somebody else. I'm not as good as that one, or I'm better than that. But usually the ones that I felt better to didn't, I wasn't so, that didn't, didn't wasn't such a, a thing, I wasn't so arrogant about having to be better, but I seemed to make much more of a, a big thing about uh, the fact that I wasn't as good as or as somebody else. I didn't think I was as good as somebody else, or as intelligent, or as clever, or as gifted, or whatever. There's always this this emphasis on the 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 negative. Why? Don't know, but that's that's the that's the way the mind was conditioned. So it was, you know, living in a, in that painful state where you're always feeling, seeing yourself in in terms of the flaw, the fault. And I noticed this with, with uh, I mean, even with people who are inc- very uh, beautiful or good looking, oftentimes. <coughs> They'll, they'll, they'll dwell on the fact that their mouth is a little too big or something like that. I was surprised me, like a, a woman I knew, was extremely beautiful, physically beautiful person and asked her what she thought of herself, she, she, she also emphasized the flaw she had. I couldn't, you know, I would never have noticed if she hadn't told me. So, <laughs> so, so this was, this is, you know, and yet this is, this is how we, we, we tend to uh, interpret ourselves in life, well, at least from, from my experience. Then in meditation, I, I, I was looking at this, you know, studying this. And then with the suggestion of, of enumerating the good things about myself, I started. First, I, I found out I'd write out lists, and I could write lists and lists of bad things about myself. And no problem with that. And then I started a list of good things about myself and I had to rack my brain <laughs> because I'd never really given much thought to my own goodness. And that surprised me because, you know, I realized basically I'm a good person. You know, I like goodness, I want to be good, I, I want to be honest, I want to be, I'm kind, I'm uh, generous, uh, I, I don't like to be cruel or mean. I'm not. I don't want to. I'm not mean-hearted. I mean, as a child, I was. I wasn't a, a cruel child. Even. Or I was quite a a generous and a happy child. And I wanted. I liked to be good. I didn't like to 
to go around uh, uh, beating up on others. I wasn't a bully or anything like that. So then I started thinking to myself in terms of, oh, I'm quite a good person, which suddenly that was, I mean, it's so, so obvious, but the fact that I never really perceived myself in, those, in, in a positive way, even as an ego, as a, you know, even on the level of me as a personality, being a g- the emphasis had been always on the, the weakness or the flaw, the mistake, the failure. So seeing the nata, it was a real. It, it was a relief to, to, uh, to begin to get some perspective, on, on just my, the sense of myself as a personality, because as I began to respect myself as a person more and more, I could let go of of of, of needing to to prove myself or justify myself as a personality became apparent. It was merely conditions arising at a certain time for something or other, and then this is your personality. But there's no kind of permanent personality. And an ongoing kind of underlying separate personality that has its own existence. Because the the personality is something, as you begin to notice, uh, if you're really observing and mindful, it, 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 the sense of yourself comes and goes when you start thinking and your emotions start experiencing your emotional state. That's emotion has a lot of uh, a lot of self in it, isn't it? Anger, you really feel alive. Indignation. How dare they do that? How dare they say that to me? I mean, it's, it's like, you know, that's really me, and how dare you say that to me? And that sounds really like, you know, I am somebody, and you're really somebody, and you know, there's two totally separate personalities. And, and uh, then, uh, and, I, and I, I have a lot of, of indignation. Indignation is a very strong emotion in my case. So there, there was a lot of that righteous indignation and, and resentment and, uh, and jealousy. Just feeling, you know, I began to notice uh, this, this emotion and, and, I, and, um, and, I, and I hated it, hated the idea of, I didn't want to be, think of myself as a jealous person. So, so there's a lot of resistance to, to those kind of emotions also, just uh, uh, trying to, to get rid of the, the negative emotions. So in all of this, there's this endless kind of movement of, of indulging and, and, and wallowing in self pity or self-importance or inflated ego or or uh, indignation or trying to to get rid of nasty little emotions like jealousy and trying to uh, um, you know guilt guilt this ongoing sense of guilt of not being good enough and and, and how one can dwell on you know bring up the uh, things of the past and kind of make itself feel really mean and and uh, and uh, and, uh, and and kind of uh, uh, nasty by remembering uh, the things that you've done in the past and in the this sense of me and mine. I just listen, listen inward to this, uh, to, you know, I listen to myself, you know, I, what I think, if you want my opinion, and uh, my view, and this is mine, and I am this. And uh, when, when you're in a monastic system, it's interesting how brought up, I'm brought up in a society that 
that is, that's supposedly egalitarian, like American society. We like to think of ourselves as where everybody's equal. Everybody's the same. There's no, uh, you know, everybody has rights, equal rights, and everybody's as good as everybody else. So kind of general uh, attitude. But then at the same time, you're, you're, you're given this message that you're all the same, but you're endlessly in, in competing with each other to prove that you're better. <laughs> so you get very confused. <laughs> because, uh, you know, on the general grand view, you, you like the idea of equality, but, but then on the personal level, it doesn't, you know, somebody's got to sit in the first seat. And so, then, but then this is isn't admitted, you know. Like we can, we there's a lot of of dysfunctionalism around this, <laughs> around. <laughs> so in monastic life, you had you go by seniority and you know years in the sangha and all that. So, so then. Um, I began to notice as I as I developed more years, you know. And at first, I mean, I was a new monk. I could quite accept my lowly position, being at the end of the line, and and that. But then, as I began to get some more years on, I began to notice if somebody who was junior to me walked in front of me, I'd feel upset by that <laughs> because I wanted that security of. Uh, you know, everybody knows their place, and they stick to your place, and we all agree to, and uh, we don't compete. You know, and you're not, you're not, you know, if I found a system where you you kind of know your place in the in the hierarchy, and you you stay in that place, and anybody that tries to kind of move ahead, you you can really feel angry with them, upset, so that. Then, in terms of, say, the way it is, as a, as a, you know, when you think of yourself as, a, say, we we, th- we think of ourselves as a member of a society. I'm just one per one one person in this society. Of say here in Britain, sixty million population, or in the world. Of, Five point four billion people. I'm just one, one of those five point four billion. But in terms of experience, that's not the way it is, is it? I'm actually the center of the universe in terms of experience. I'm not just one mem one person in the population of 5.4 billion. In terms of experience right now, experience is here, this is the, this is the center of the universe as far as, as, as experience goes. I mean, I can imagine a center of the universe, possibly something out there. But in terms of direct experience, this is, this is, this is the actus mundi. This is, the, this is where the center of everything is. This is what everything comes into this. So contemplating that just in the terms of the way it is as through experience, not in terms of uh, of some kind of uh, inflated ego, like I'm the center of the universe, as a as a kind of arrogant position to take. But it is in, it's a reflective. It's a way of reflecting on the way it is for us, because each one of us is the center, actually, in terms of experience. You don't experience life from here. (laughs) But I do. I'm not always sitting here, but wherever, it's the center, you know. Well, contemplating this, then, then I began to see, like you, you know, I think, you 
are in my mind right now. Where in the uh, in, in the conventional social conventions, you we're all people on this retreat, and and you're there, and I'm here, and, and I'm talking to you. But the, the assumptions that that uh, you have your own mind, and I have my own mind, which is separate. But in terms of re- experience, what is it? You're in my mind. Because I, I can see you or hear you, and and then you come and go in my mind. Well, that's a different way of looking at it, isn't it? It's breaking out of the conventional mode of assumptions that we make you know, through our social conditioning or cultural conditioning into this more reflective state of noticing the way it is in terms of experience. So each one of us is a, like a conscious point in the universe. We're, caught, we're, a sep- we're born into a separate form. In that. So this is the experience of, of consciousness as a form that's conscious in the universe. And then that universe affects this you know, it impinges on this, on this, uh, on this point of consciousness, and how we interpret that experience. So, in in Buddha Dhamma, we're we're interpreting it now the experience in terms of Dhamma rather than in terms of self view, or American conditioning, or English conditioning, or in our personal, uh, condi- or the personal uh, ex- uh, sense of my unique personality. So this is where we, we use the teachings of like Dhammanu Satipatthana, the fourth foundation of mindfulness, where you contemplate the four noble truths, the dependent origination, and all the, the various teachings Dhamma teachings, which help us to, say, contemplate the way things are, that we were taking out all the personal stuff. Because uh, the first noble truth is there is suffering. It's, it's not saying, it's not saying, Ajahn Sumato suffers a lot. Or <laughs> there is suffering. It's not, it's not a matter of Ajahn Sumato's suffering, but the suffering is suffering. Contemplating suffering, not in terms of a personality, but in terms of the experience, the way it is, that it arises, it ceases, it's impermanent, it's not self. And that we create suffering out of ignorance, not, not understanding things. And being, a, being a, a, a unique personality is a lot of suffering. Because you're so having to to go through life in this conscious form as a as a, through the you know through a whole lifetime from birth to death. Say if I should live to a hundred years, only on the assumption that I am a personality, I can say it's really frightening. <coughs> because me as a person, I can be hurt very easily on a, on the personal level. I've got all kinds of weak weaknesses and and hang-ups and and that on a personal level, misunderstandings, not, not you know seeing things in distorted ways or just through biases or 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 immature habits and emotional patterns. So on the personal level, I have to live a life as a separate personality to a hundred years. As I said previously, that on my 30th birthday, I was horrified by what I saw. 30 more years of, of being me seemed the most dreariest, most dreary kind of prospect. And having to just repeat and think the same old stuff over and over to 30 more years, being a unique personality, 
And I was trying to make myself into an interesting personality. You know, I read a lot and I memorized poetry, listened to classical music. I, I uh, tried to, you know, develop good taste, aesthetic uh, refinements and I read all the interesting literature and keep up on the political situation. Said I was well educated. <laughs> People said I was quite charming. <laughs> so it wasn't that I was a slob um, all the time, but I was. But the, but it it was meaningless, and it didn't you know didn't uh, it, life of of just just uh, kind of uh, decorating this ego was was depressing. It's kind of trying to hold this egotistical way of looking at life was just really depressing. Remember, yeah, the feeling. Suicide wasn't such a bad idea. Or drug addiction, I think. Maybe drug addict and just kind of blot it all out. Instead I became a monk. (laughs) 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 Because in the monastic life you could address the problem very directly. You know, there's the whole, the whole you know, there's a, re- a wonderful opportunity that I saw in Thailand where you could, you were given actually the, such a, a kind of boost and, and, uh, and such encouragement to investigate, to break out of it, this, this misery that I, that I had created. It wasn't, can't blame it on anybody. So then in the in monastic life then this this whole this uh, this way of using dhamma in order to to interpret experience so suffering the causes cessation and the way of non-suffering meant a lot to me because uh this was uh, something I I could relate to and and I could you know begin to to free myself from this, from this uh, kind of paralysis of of self-view. Then the result of that over the over thirty years now. This t- today, May the sixth is the day that Ajahn Chah and I arrived in England in 1977. So I've been 21 years complete in in this country. We we arrived on the 6th of May, 1977. (laughs) Heathrow Airport. It was cold. (laughs) <laughs> but I was glad because it was so hot in Thailand and I had this heat rat I had this I have a delicate skin I'm not a tropical person and you go to the dermatologist dermatologist here in, in, in England and they'll they put me in the first category they have six categories of skin types. I'm in the very first one, meaning it's called Celtic skin. Of Celtic skin, which means it's thin, weak, <laughs> uh, and has very little pigment. And so, so in living in tropical countries where you get all this sun, with the the skin deteriorated. So I have this problem still with what's called solar keratosis, where the skin goes gets all scaly and the, 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 it, it loses its 
it, because it, it doesn't have like if you have more pigment, then you can absorb the the sun, the rays of the sun much more. Your skin doesn't get damaged so much. So coming here to England was like a relief because then suddenly all, the, all these rashes started going away because of the nice clouds above. <laughs> you see, I, I don't complain about English weather. Then the, then I began to notice when with this emptiness as I as I began to really realize to when I, as I realized more and more this emptiness of the mind where I'd have spaces where there'd be no thought there'd be just awareness and then I could see that 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 the that to become a person I had to think and remember get caught up with thinking and remembering and my emotions. But when there was no, when there wasn't, uh, when I wasn't attached to any emotional state or thinking about myself, there was still consciousness operating, but there was wisdom instead of just this, this ignorance. And that there was no self in, in a permanent, in the, in the in that state of pure awareness, there's no, there's no, there, whereas there's no self, there's no sense of a self. Even though it's a subjective experience, the subject is more of a universal, uh, it's a, has a sense of universality rather than of separate personal identity. So like in the, the state of pure awareness, when you're just listening, like in the, the, the Sodavanta, or the Bhutto, where you're just, you're just lit in that state of attentive, awakened awareness. Uh, that that uh, is it's intelligent state, not stupid or blank. But there's no self. The self then comes into that through through, you know, through the I, what I think, what I like, what I don't like. So then I realized that what anatta really meant, that it wasn't any. That, that a sense of, of being one rather than individual, than this isolated personality, this sense of oneness of being, you know, the, the conscious point in the universe isn't, is merely a, 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 a kind of temporary uh, position. Then, then in terms of, the, the, in that T.S. Eliot poem, The Dry Salvages, where he said, where he says, the point of intersection be, uh, between the timeless and time. I like that one because that's what that seemed to ring true. That that in the state of being a conscious entity in the universe, we're actually on the on that edge of the timeless in time. You know, that's where we can, in, in, in that state of the Buddha awareness, the awakened mind, then we can know time and the timeless. The point of intersection between the timeless and time. or the conditioned and the unconditioned. So in, in practicing with that, then like with, with, with emotion, or like of the feeling, the sensitivity of life, and you see things that, that affect you, you still, you feel things. But you're, 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 the tendency to interpret that feeling in a personal way is no longer no longer rings true to me. I can be aware of the feeling without without creating a self view around it. So you hear or see sad things or what, and you feel the sadness, but you're not 
sad as a person. There's sadness, but it's not personal anymore. I remember reading that when the Rwanda uh, had that genocide, just hearing about so many people being brutally slaughtered. What, was a million people, an enormous amount of people, brutally uh, slaughtered in Rwanda a couple of years ago. I've never met a Rwandan. I've never been there. But that, but just reading that in newspaper, it was a, a sad feeling. The result was, I noticed just reading that was a feeling of sadness. You know, of the sadness of this life where where that, where, even if it wasn't, even what if it never happened? It just somebody made it up to make a sensational, sensational news. It's still sad, isn't it? Because that's the way it is. The brutal slaughter of, of people, innocent people, is sad. So, you still feel the sadness, but you're, but it, you're interpreting it now in terms of dhamma rather than, than uh, a personal way. Because we can only take so much sadness as a person, we get depressed. Because we, the, the 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 view of self will always, you know, it, it leads into a rigidity of the mind and experience. You get you get you get kind of stuck in negativity. But in terms of dhamma, then one can be with the sadness or the or the the misery or the unfairness or whatever uh, without making it personal. So then you, you have compassion. Like Buddhists have compassion. Buddhists aren't just indifferent, you know. A million uh, Tutsis get slaughtered in Rwanda. Well, you know, everything's impermanent. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, you know, you feel you you can feel and you can be with the feeling, because that's uh, that's one of the great gifts of our humanity is that we we do care, we love, we we feel life, and this isn't by developing by breaking out of the the ego and the self-view, then that, that feeling of life isn't something that it frightens us anymore or that, that defeats us or that overwhelms us because we have room to feel and we know how to feel in terms of through wisdom and through compassion rather than through ignorance and self-view. And so you're, you're, chain, you're getting out of that we were, you know, I was culturally conditioned not through panya, but through avicca or ignorance. I'm not from a, my parents were not arahants. And American society is not known for its wisdom. But that's where I was born, with those parents in that society. And so, and that's the, the, the lot I got. Just, you know, I didn't, you know, I just, you take it. When you're a child, you just take what you get. Some of it was all fine, you know, there's a lot of good things in it. But, but basically, it was, it was based on the delusions out of avicca, out of ignorance. And I'm not condemning it in, a, in that, but it, just recognizing that, that my cultural conditioning it was based, is based on, the, on avicca, or ignorance of the Dhamma. So that's why I don't trust it, cultural conditioning of any sort. Mm. 
because it it uh, it that it is it is it is avicca not understanding the truth of the way it is some of it you know and we in various cultures there's certain truths and good things and and skillful things that one acquires along with with all the other silly stuff but it's in in the awakened state that that you when you awaken and then you you start really looking into the way it is and the dhamma teachings of the buddha are are not beliefs that you they're not biases that you use to interpret experience you're not becoming a buddhist and then you have to look at everything in a buddhist way through a buddhist looking glass no they're what it is they're pointing to the way things are like impermanence of conditioned phenomena if they don't believe in impermanence you 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 investigate it or karma like like even buddhists will say you have to believe in the law of karma and and, and <coughs> buddhists will say to be a buddhist you have to believe in the law of karma and in anatta no You don't have to believe those. <laughs> it's not a matter of believing, but but those you can you, those are teachings that are pointing to experience. What is karma as experience? What is anatta as experience? So it's not not a matter of of, of ta- that we we interpret our that that anatta is a is a Buddhist uh, filter that you use to to uh to uh rearrange your perceptual your perceptions of of the world but it's point the teaching of anatta is the doctrine but a a suggestion a way of looking at things to to break through the uh the the assumptions and the habits that we have about ourselves as a separate person personality and it it is a uh, an ongoing <coughs> it's a lifetime practice you keep one keeps at it over you know till 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 you die so that by the time when i die uh which could be any time by I think I still have quite a few years left. <laughs> but I'm ready to die. I mean, I'm I wouldn't mind. Uh because I don't feel that I you know, I don't feel I feel that I've uh learned from this life. That having having developed this practice over over 30 years i've learned i understand this dhamma now it's something that i that that uh, i have no, i have no 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 more doubts about it uh or or questions about it so it's it's quite natural now for me to to see, to interpret to see life in terms of dhamma because of of a strong commitment toward that way of of developing and and investigating experience but then when the death moment comes that's that's not up to me to decide but uh and so my life now is one where i where where you know one is uh still interpreting the like here like being uh, the spiritual director i'm a spiritual director now 
this is, you know, what what do you call somebody like me? And and you and you <laughs> and I dumped the abbotship on Arjun Viridamo, got rid of that one. But they gotta do something with me, so they can't just they can't be just tomato bhikkhu, so spiritual director is the kind of funny title that you have and then you you know, and you go around to New Zealand and check up on that place, and then Australia and you know, Thailand. It's a quite interesting way to live, actually. The, uh, but also, you're, you know, you you keep you keep using the situation, like the the praise, the blame, the the good things, the bad things that happen to you. In in uh, in the experience of your life. So in uh, just like like because I have to travel so much, I I, I fly so uh, you know you fly long distances. You know, you've got Branch Monastery in New Zealand, that's halfway around the world from here. There's one in California now, and there's Thailand. You know, like that. So, I just develop awareness around airports and airplanes and queues and and the immigration customs. Hold on, why not? Just it's a process of of life flowing by now, and and life here at Amravati and its ups and downs, its pleasures and uh, and its crises. And the the comings and goings, monks ordained, disrobe, nuns ordained, disrobe. Nuns uh, are happy sometimes, sometimes they're miserable. And then uh, monks sometimes are very kind of dedicated, and that, then they lose their interest, or they they become full of doubts. And they think they need to go through psychotherapies and all that things. You get people with various illnesses, <laughs> and, and uh, you get praised and blamed. And temples get built, and and uh, on and on like that. And, uh, people come and go, and change, and it's all. But seeing it in terms of dhamma is a challenge, isn't it? Like being, say, I, I've been uh, uh, a preceptor or an upachaya, one who can ordain monks for, what, fifth, 18 years now. So, then you become upachaya. And in this upachaya thing, in ceremony, ordain, ordination of bhikkhus and siladharas, you uh, t- telling the uh, Venerable Atilo and Sistanasanti about this. Th- uh, there's this line where you have to say, "You are my burden, and I am your burden." And I've always found this line a bit off-putting. You know, over, over 18 years, I've when I've heard of this, you say, "Achadike tani tero my hungbaro ahampi tero sabaro." Translated, you, I am your burden now, and, and and you are my burden. They use the, the translated burden, and of course the English word burden isn't a very you know, the pejorative word, isn't it? Not something that you 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 really want. Nobody wants a burden. <laughs> and here, here, I'm, you know, every year I take more burdens on myself. <laughs> And one of the joys of, of disrobing, when disrobing, at least they're not my burden anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and only recently I had an insight into that, what that really meant. And, uh, and this is how you keep learning. You know, even though I've, it's 18 years that I've been taking on these burdens. 
And I'm then, of course, I'm the burden of them also. Like I'm Tanasundi's burden. So, so uh, then I began to understand it in terms of experience. What, like, like just, just the, the burden of life and the, and the, um, like, like he, in a place like Amravati, where you, you have a, a fairly large community of people living together. There's always problems here. There's always something, something, some issue, something, cri- some crisis, some <coughs> difficult person, some, some uh, quarrel or hurt feelings, or somebody's, you know, causing some kind of upheaval and uh, and it's demands and and because you get you get you know you, this is a real burden. And then I noticed that my my tendency tended to to always want to. I've had enough. I've, I've had enough burdens. You know, don't bother me with any more. Uh, and somebody looks like they've got a burden. They're coming to share with me. I you know, <laughs> make a quick exit. And I and it's, it's too many burdens. You just get burdened out by <laughs> and because I didn't want any of these burdens and, and the idea that uh, the burden coming so there's a negative reaction to that and then the insight was uh, that actually that's a kind of welcoming you know change my attitude towards burdens why do I always kind of resist and run away why not just welcome the burden So I started changing, I started thinking, welcome, more burdens the better. (laughs) (laughs) I started feeling quite happy again, you know? It was was, was quite a remarkable shift from from feeling burdened and and always kind of trying to, to get out of it or to, you know, get away or feeling, you know, taking it to the that I can't, I can't bear it anymore, towards this welcoming of burdens. And the, the suffering then was this resistance, isn't it? I don't want any more. I can't take any more. I don't want to hear any more. I can't bear any more. It's too much. I need a sabbatical. I need a rest. I can't. And, and that, that kind of Reaction is the is is really suffering. It creates suffering around the resistance. When I stop resisting and welcome, welcome the burdens. At least I thought that's. I feel quite happy about that. I don't mind having. I mean, life is is full of burdens. It's part of the deal. You know, there's nothing wrong with it, and by changing attitude, then I felt, you know, quite, quite at peace with it all and, and honored that I could, that I could uh, accept burdens. And I'm not a frail, fragile little thing that has to protect myself from stress and the world. Well, that I only discovered fairly recently. I haven't been doing too bad, you know, considering 21 years in England uh, and kind of accepting all these burdens. But but it, and but but that what, what I mean, you keep learning. Things become more clear as you go along. Because I honestly didn't understand that till till a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> it makes a lot of difference. You know. Now I can have a Tadaka Tani Tara with with real, you know, heart in it, rather than God. Here it comes. Enough for this evening.